Hey, you're listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. In this week's sermon, lead pastor Matt Bean preaches on Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, in our sermon series, Name Above All Names. I am thrilled to be here with you, albeit these are odd days, and uh, I would be wearing a mask, but I think I would pass out in a few minutes, and so um, I think there's some distance between us. I, th- I, think we're, I think we're good, but we are continuing in our series, The Name Above All Names, and today uh, we are going to look at the Hebrew place name Jehovah Jireh, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 22, and I will tell you that this message is, uh, it may surprise you at the end. Oftentimes we think about the Lord will provide and we immediately think about finances, but as we think about what actually occurs in this story, it almost has zero to do with finances. It has everything to do with a God who sees and then brings deliverance. And so we're going to look together in Genesis chapter 22. This story takes place in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. And this is where we see Abraham and Isaac in almost an impossible scenario, in a very painful situation, and yet we see what happens as God's faithfulness unfolds. So let's look in our Bibles together, Genesis chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And these next lines are so critical. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Now, I think it's helpful for our context to understand that this was not like a tiny little twig fire, right? The amount of wood required for a burnt offering is the wood substantial enough to completely consume a huge animal. This is not just a couple sticks. This is a mountain of wood, and it's, I don't know this for a fact, but Isaac had to have been of some age and some strength to be able to carry enough wood for a huge burnt offering. We get the story, right? This is not a little two-year-old carrying lumber like this obediently for his father. Somehow there's some maturity, there's some strength, there's some age here, and I don't think that Isaac was unaware of what was before him, and even as they saw the place of sacrifice in the distance, Abraham says to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, listen, and placed it on his son Isaac. If this was a little boy, it would have crushed a little boy. Does that make sense? So he takes this wood for the burnt offering and places it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac says. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? 
Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And this is where the story for me as a father just gets really, really um, painful. It says, Abraham bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. This word in Hebrew, the Lord will provide, is called a place name. It's a place where the name of God is connected to geography. In other words, in their experience with the Lord, the I am who I am. As they think about Elohim, the all-powerful creator God, as they think about Jehovah or Yahweh, they began in their journey and experience with him to take markers and take places where it's like, this is the place where Jehovah will provide. And so out of this particular story, we get the Hebrew place name Jehovah Jireh. But if you transliterate that word, it literally means the Lord sees and will bring deliverance. It continues on in Genesis 22. It says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. And your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, we know based on history in the Old Testament that through this lineage, through this act of obedience, comes the line of Jesus. Jesus is a part of this heritage that, in fact, God faithfully provided through circumstances and generations. So here are a few observations from this text. God calls, and Abraham responds in faith. God calls, and Abraham responds in faith. He says to him, Abraham, and his response is, here I am. This response of here I am is not unique to this story. There are other situations in the Bible where God calls, and the response of people is, here I am. The second observation is this, is God is testing Abraham, and Abraham has no option but to trust God and to remember God's promises and demonstrated faithfulness. If you don't remember, how did Isaac even come about? Isaac came about from a promise to an elderly couple that was beyond common sense for child-rearing days. And he came through a promise, and even though God was asking Abraham to give up that which he promised to give him, all he had to go on was God's demonstrated faithfulness before. Number three, even as he obeyed, Abraham was believing God would provide another way. Because Abraham says in faith, we will worship and we will 
come back to you. So in obedience, Abraham is actively believing that God will provide another way because he did not want to sacrifice his only son. But more than not wanting to sacrifice that, he wanted to honor God. And so as we see in the story, Abraham was believing God, actively believing God. Number four, Abraham responds in faith and trust, even when asked by Isaac, where is the lamb? And Abraham's response was, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. The fifth and my, my favorite uh, observation from this story is God intervenes. God intervenes. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now that I know you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. We see Abraham discover God's faithfulness to deliver, and therefore he names the place the Lord will provide. It says, so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. In Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God's promise, the last observation, God's promise stands that he would be the father to many nations, that nations would be blessed through him, and his demonstrated faithfulness unfolds throughout history. And as we continue to read in the Old Testament, we see the culmination of God's demonstrated faithfulness in Jesus and what has happened. So Jehovah Jireh literally means the Lord will see, the Lord will provide. In Hebrew, if you take that out, Jehovah Jireh ultimately means the Lord will see and the Lord will provide. So I want us to say that together. You can say it at home. How you doing? And we can say it here in the room. The Lord will see and the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will see and the Lord will provide. Now, as a father, this story is painful for me. And as a son, I'm sure there were frightening moments for Isaac. Can you imagine carrying the wood and not seeing the sacrifice? I mean, if we, if we step into humanity for a moment, I'm sure the inner turmoil that Abraham felt was real as he walked in specific obedience and faith in this situation. And ultimately, we can see that God was testing Abraham, and Isaac was, in fact, not harmed. But as we lift our eyes of faith and look back over history, we can see throughout Scripture that God is faithful to provide, that God does deliver on his promises, and that the greatest example of that is what happens in the life of Jesus. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will see, the Lord will provide. So I just want to bring around our, our thought this morning that the Lord has seen our needs, and the Lord, he has provided. He's lived up to his name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will see the Lord will provide. The Lord has seen our needs, and he has provided. The Lord sees our needs today, and he is providing. Think about the chaos that we are living in. Think about the warring kingdoms that are around us. Think about the confusion and sadness and anger in our world. And remember that he has seen these things, and he has provided something else. He has provided a kingdom that is unshakable and a kingdom where there is one king of all kings. There are no more campaigns, no more corruption, no more agendas. He has seen what we need, and he has provided true, surpassing peace that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He has provided his presence and the promise of eternity where there is no sorrow, no sickness, no sadness, and ready for this, no masks. 
either. And with eyes that no longer require faith, we will behold him. He's provided that. And as I think about this, listen to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The Lord sees and he will deliver. The Lord sees and he will provide. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. You remember the story where Isaac says, where is the lamb? Father, I have the wood for the offering, but where is the lamb? The next verse says in John, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. And John says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Think about this name, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will see, the Lord will provide. I can tell you personally that I do know him as the Lord who provides. I have seen the Lord who will provide my entire adult life. I have seen, and April and I have seen him provide for us through adoption, through serving as missionaries overseas. I have seen him circumstantially provide above and beyond what I could ever ask or imagine. And I want to just share a story for you early on in my faith, early on in marriage, uh, April was working two jobs. I was working two jobs, and we had been married just a few months, and, and we were renovating this old house, which was probably a terrible idea to get married and renovate a house in the first year of marriage. But we had a heart for campus ministry. We were doing our very best to work hard and then have enough time to open the Bible with college students. That's, that was our grind. That was what we did very often. And so as we were thinking about how do we create space in our home for college students to come in and discover Jesus, we just were working a lot of odd and end jobs. And one day our power bill came and, and we could not afford to pay it. I'm, I, it was something like 238.19 and I just did not have the money, although I'd been working and working and working. And April, who's much smarter than me, and I think she, she's, she's just better, altogether better, she said, you need to trust God and trust that he'll provide. And I, in my ignorant wisdom, said to her, well, it's not like it's in the mailbox. What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? What job do I need to undertake so that I can pay this power bill? She's like, I'm not, all I know is you're supposed to trust God and that he's going to provide. Well, she had grown up in a home and in a family where their posture had been there for her entire upbringing, one of trusting God for provision. 
and, and, and this was new to me, and I, and I, and I was just, well, I'm going to work really hard and just see, and I, I couldn't imagine how this was going to come about. And so she's like, well, you just need to trust God. I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust God. And I go to the mailbox. And in the mailbox from Gastonia, North Carolina, in pencil and somewhat poor handwriting, it just says Matt and April Dean. And then I open it up, and there is a notebook, a lined notebook sheet of paper, wide ruled, with a smiley face in pencil and $240 cash. And I was like, well, all right. So I... I see this, Lord. And I can tell you that in 18 years of marriage, we have seen him provide for us over and over and over again. I can tell you on a different day the story of how our house sold in the middle of a housing crisis so that we could move to Hong Kong and serve there. I can tell you how the Lord provided for us to adopt two wonderful girls from China when we had no clue how that was going to happen. The Lord saw and he delivered. I can tell you that round two, as our life moved back to Asia, I can tell you again how our house sold immediately and how we were once again in a debt-free position to be overseas and to give our lives away. I can tell you that the room you're sitting in, the chair you're sitting on, the air conditioning you're breathing in, which is filtered, by the way, I can tell you his stories of provision for this church and how God has so powerfully worked to see and provide for our church family. He sees and he knows and he delivers, and our response is one of trust and praise to him. But this is so important. Let's avoid shrinking provision. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord sees and will, let's avoid shrinking that wonderful name down only to finances. It's so much more, it's so much better. I can tell you the stories of finances, but there's a greater story that you can tell and a greater story that I can tell. And the greater story is he has made me alive in Christ forever. He saw the state of my soul and he said, you belong to me. And he saw the state of your soul and he said, welcome home, son and daughter. What we see is that God has provided a way for us to be fully alive in Jesus forever. Listen to John chapter three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So as we think about the Lord being our provider, I want us to remain focused on what is most important, what, has God, what God has given us eternally and for his glory. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, just before the rebuilding of the temple, we hear this idea that everything belongs to God and is from him. And this was our call to worship this morning. David says, it says, he praises the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. These are the words of David. Praise be to you, Lord, the God and Father of Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted over all. Wealth and honor come from you, and you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people 
that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in this sight, as we were all ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. They're saying everything we have comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. Everything in heaven is his Everything on earth is his. About a year ago, not even, less than a year ago, last fall we walked through the idea of joyful generosity. And at its core, here's what it is, that because of the gospel, generosity is a grace-enabled act of obedience. In other words, tithing is not generosity. Tithing is grace-enabled obedience. Does that make sense? And as we think about God's generosity towards us in mercy and kindness and love, Joyful generosity is our response, and generosity is not a financial response any more than Jehovah Jireh is a financial name of God. But Jehovah Jireh is the Lord who sees and the Lord who delivers, thus the Lord who provides, and generosity is a whole life response to Jesus. It says that in Romans 12, that worship is our whole life response to Jesus. So when we think about his provision. It goes beyond our checking account. It goes to life and eternity. And this is what happens when we get the generosity of God. Humility. That's what happens. When we understand or begin to understand the generosity of God, humility becomes this reflection of seeing God and seeing who we are and seeing his work in our lives. Remembering that he is the God who sees and that he is the God who provides is a really good reminder of who does what. We do not want to be self-made, self-promoting, self-satisfying, self-centered, self-oriented, self-sufficient people. Some people would say that's the way. We do not want to be self-made people. We are God-made people, God-redeemed people for his glory. And the gospel means that we are made by God loved by God, redeemed by God, enjoyed by God, adopted by God, made alive by God, by grace, through faith, we are kept and claimed by God, for God. Psalm 24 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Psalm 54 says this, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Peter, when he wrote the early church, this is one of the things that he said. He said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And above all, this is such a good word for our days. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling each of you should use whatever gift you have received. The Lord sees and provides the gift that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, so that in all things, 
God may be praised through Jesus Christ. He sees and provides so that in all things he may be praised. He knows your needs and he provides so that in all things he may be praised. He knows my needs and he provides so that in all things I may praise him. The same is true for you. He sees, he delivers, he knows, and our response is one of trust and praise to him. My prayer today is that we would know him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees, the Lord who delivers. And I want us to remember the gospel means he's seen and delivered. I mean, if you need to know anything today, you've been claimed and kept by God, that he holds you in the palm of his hands. What are the stories of your life? If we were to meet over lunch or coffee, what are the stories where you could say, I know his provision in my life? Let me ask you this. What are you trusting him for? I know there are people in the room and I know there are people watching who are trusting him for huge things. And they're in a posture of believing him to come through on his promises to them. Are you walking in obedience to what he has already shown you? Is that true in your life? Are you practicing joyful generosity? Where out of the abundance of what he's given to you, you're able to freely give back to him and to love and serve others. Do you see his provision in your life and are you being a good steward of what he has entrusted to you? And our landing question is this, can you say, can I say, so that in all things, Lord, would you be praised? So that in all things, you may be praised. Will you pray with me today? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's sermon. If you'd like more information about the ways that you can partner with Grace Auburn, you can visit our website at graceauburn.church.